All right, well, let's pray then. Um, And we'll just pray for God's blessing for our time together. So, Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for the people that are gathered here together right now. And, Father, for the people that are watching with us right now on Zoom, and for the people that will be watching, God, we just want to say we love you, and we're gathered in Jesus' name. And this morning, more than anything else, God, we just we just want to 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 get to know you better, to find you in a more uh, personal, experiential way. God, to 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 get to know you better according to your word, and Lord, to to better equip ourselves to to fulfill this mission that you've given us. So, Lord, help us. I pray that I pray that you would. Lord, protect us from the distractions, uh, protect us from all the discouragements and the things of, of the world, which would, which would cause us to miss out on what you have for us this morning. We love you. Thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how many of you know Harold Finch. Harold Finch was a, a part of, of, of uh, you know, Midtown in different ways at different times he came and he spoke at our church a couple times. He wrote a book called uh, something about three keys to spiritual success or something like that. Anyway, he, Harold Finch did worldwide seminars. He spoke to Supreme Courts. He spoke to the big businesses around the world. He spoke to Congresses and, and all sorts of things around the world. He was a world-class scientist was part of a think tank here in Kansas City. He developed the heating and cooling system that required the the Apollo aircraft to get to the moon. He's the one who figured that out. Um, Had a getaway with God. God led him to leave that and to go into education. So he did that. He was instrumental in getting Johnson County Community College set up in a proper time frame one of the most successful junior colleges on the planet. God led him to go into business. So he, you know, he quit his science career, his world-class science career, because God led him into education. He, he, he left education because God led him into business, developed two super successful businesses, sold those, and, and sent over a 1,000 short-term missionaries around the world to, to spread the gospel. Anyway, Harold Finch, he's this guy. Um, so he, he made a movie and in part of making his movie called Unlimited, he met with a group of investors trying to get them to help pay for his movie. So Harold, as he was plugging the movie to the potential investors, he gave the gospel. And one of those men who was there as a potential investor in his movie, got saved, gave his life to Christ, and then died two weeks later. Well, Harold did the math. He said, if that man's life was a football field, he got saved on the the two-inch line. So this man had lived his entire life like a football field, you know, halftime was halfway through his life, and then he was hit the one-yard line. Half a, at the two-inch line, he gave his life to Christ and then died. That man is now with the Lord forever and ever because Harold Finch was bold enough to give the gospel while he was plugging this movie about 
the gospel to a bunch of potential investors. And I was thinking about our lives in football, and I was thinking about that analogy. I was thinking about the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. And I don't know if you watched the postseason this year. I'm assuming most of us watched the Super Bowl. But the Chiefs came from behind in all of those games. They were getting beat in, the, in, their, in their divisional playoffs and in the, in, the, in, the, in the championship, and then finally in the Super Bowl. In fact, in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs at halftime were tied 10 to 10. So that was pretty good. However, what's going to happen after halftime is probably going to determine how the game is going to go, which coach is going to figure it out, which team is going to come out and be able to operate, make the adjustments they need to make to win this game, right? So they had an extra long halftime so that the ladies could dance on their pole in front of our children during halftime at the Super Bowl, whatever. Okay. It's horrible. Anyway, so they, the Chiefs come out. That was just a little aside there. Sorry about that. Okay, so the Chiefs come out. They're down 10 to 10. They can't get anything going. The 49ers, however, come down and they score on their first possession. The Chiefs come out and, and uh, after a fumble that, that they recover, Patrick Mahomes throws an interception. 49ers get the ball again. It started. 49ers score. Chiefs get the ball again, throw an interception. Yeah. Two possessions in a row, interceptions. The 49ers are not only scoring, but they're eating up the clock. So with seven minutes left, it's 20, the 49ers 20, and the Chiefs 10. You guys remember this? Okay. Everything is pointing to failure for the Chiefs. They can't get anything going. Seven minutes left. They're down 20 to 10. Nothing's working. Okay, that's the point at which the team stirred up within themselves enough gumption to try again. And there was a long pass. Let's see. can't remember all the players exactly how, the, how it went down. But the momentum slowly started to change. And I don't know if you remember the final score of the Super Bowl. Anyone remember? 31-20. The Chiefs scored 21 points in the last seven minutes to come from behind and win the Super Bowl. Now, I would just say this. That was one of the most exciting Super Bowls there was. In my recent memory, one of the most exciting Super Bowls, not just because it was the Chiefs, but because there was a 21-point comeback in the last seven minutes. Okay. Well, that's exciting for me. If our life is a football game, let's say that by reason of strength, we all get 80 years on this earth. Okay, where's halftime? At 40. At 40? You know, maybe we're, we're doing okay. We've learned some things. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of us who are in our third quarter right now. So your third quarter would be, what, 40 to 60 age group? Oh, fourth quarter. Some of us are, some of us are in the fourth quarter. Okay. <laughs> Go, yes. Points down. Yes, praise the Lord. 
All right, but sometimes I think if our life's a football game, we'd have to admit, I, I may not be winning right now. I kind of feel like my last few possessions, I've done nothing but fumble and throw interceptions and give ground to the enemy. And I love this passage that we're in this week in 1 Timothy chapter 6 because what we see in this passage is, is that there is something given by God to us. I didn't hear what chapter. And you know what we need to do with it? We need to stir it up. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter one. Sorry, my brain is just trying to take me to the wrong passage. Although that's a good passage too, but, but we don't want to go there. Second Timothy chapter one, verse six and seven. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, so 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 you know, last week we talked about that, put thee in remembrance. And last week we, we looked at our need to, look, not just recall things at different times. It's not just that, that in the moment the Holy Spirit will give me the words and I'll just, rem I don't just need to have a good memory. I need to be in remembrance. I need to minister in light of spiritual reality. And if I can minister in light of spiritual reality and I can keep a mindset remembering who God is, who I am in Christ, the mission I've been given, the fact that we have an enemy, if I can stay in remembrance of those things, then I can, I can maintain the right mindset as I enter into my day. I'm going to put on the armor of God in the morning. Why? Well, because there's a spiritual battle. And I don't want to enter a spiritual battle without my armor on. But if I forget that there's a spiritual battle, not that, guys, not that we wouldn't get that right on a multiple choice question in LFBI, you'd get that question right. But you might wake up tomorrow and forget to put your armor on. Does that make sense? Uh, ministering in light of spirituality. And here, here's the truth of this, is that we have a fight worth fighting. That person that you pass on the street, that person that you interact with in the store or the restaurant, that person in your workplace, the person in your program or in your school, accept somebody, shares the gospel with them. They are hellbound. Accept somebody, love them enough and be bold enough and be willing to enter into the fight to share the truth, to, to, to try to, to find an open door, that person is going to spend eternity separated from God, lost in their sin. <clears throat> this spiritual battle is called the good fight. It's a good fight of faith. But if, if we're not ministering a lot of spiritual reality, we can go through our whole day and pass that person on the street and interact with your friends, so-called, and your family and your coworkers, and not once open our mouths and give them the truth that can set them free from sin and death. We have to stay in remembrance of spiritual reality. It's amazing our ability to get saved 
and then forget that we were ever lost and to consider the state of those who are still lost. All right, so in terms of this week, we're, we're going to go from focusing on being in remembrance of spiritual reality, and we're going to focus on this thing that we've been given. And we start with this. There is something in you that is given to you by God. Praise the Lord, that's a good thing. And this thing that he's given us requires something. What does it require? It requires stirring up. And that idea is like stirring up the, the flames, stirring up the fire. So there's, there's heat, there's embers under there, but you have to blow on that. You have to kindle the coals. You have to fan the flames and you have to get that thing burning. Okay, that's the, that's the usage of that word to stir up. You stir up a fire in the morning. You know, you did that when you were camping because it went out overnight. You're like, oh, I hope there's still coals in there and you kindled that fire. That's, that's the idea. And this thing that God's been given to us, I just think this is so cool because God gave you something. He didn't overwhelm you with his spiritual gifting such that you have no choice in the matter. He's honoring your self-will okay, to, to use what you've been given to serve one another, not as you know, an occasion to the flesh so to speak. So, so here's the deal. What, what is this gift? Here, here's what I'd like to do this morning. We're going to look at the gift we've been given. Okay. What is it? How do we stir it up? And what can we expect as a result of doing so? And so, so the passage reads, we've not give, been given the spirit of fear, verse 7, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So, so there's a little text box on your handout. What, what, what do we mean when, when we say spirit? We've been given a spirit of fear, spirit of power, spirit of love, spirit of a sound mind. Well, what's that, what's that even mean? Well, okay, so just when you see the word spirit in your King James Bible and it's capital, that's referring to like the Holy Spirit, okay, the spirit of God. Okay, that, you know that when it's capitalized. But when it's a small s, that can mean a whole lot of different things. Okay? We don't have time to get into all of them this morning. In this case, that lower s spirit that, that we talk about is talking about the new nature of the child of God. We are, we're born again. The Holy Spirit does a work in us. That which of the flesh is flesh. That which of the Spirit, capital S, is spirit, small s. We've been given the Holy Spirit of God at the point of salvation. And that Holy Spirit coming into us resulted in spiritual changes in us. We went from being in the devil's family because we were lost to being in God's family, a new creature in Christ. Well, that new creature it has some characteristics. Physically, I don't look any, I didn't look any different the day after I was saved. But spiritually as a new creature, well, what were some of those spiritual? Well, that's the spirit, not the spirit of fear. The, so, so that's what that's talking about here is the new nature of the child of God. And we haven't been given the spirit of fear. We're going to talk about that. But we have been given some other things. And so let's, let's look at this. Letter A, 
We've been given a spirit of love. Turn with me to 1 John. We're going to be flipping through some passages here. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture here in 1 John chapter 4. And what I'd like you to see is the following things, that we believe the love of God, we've received the love of God, and once we've received the love of God, then we can reciprocate it. So after God loved me, now I can love him back. And not only that, we can love one another, okay? So 1 John chapter 7, no, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, read along with me. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. Here's a nice connection between spirit and love, by the way. That's what we're talking about in 2 Timothy 1. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may, be, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Okay, now that's a key verse too. Because we're going to be talking about we've not been given the spirit of fear. But we have been given the spirit of love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his bro love his brother also. And so in that passage, without going into an expository you know, message on that passage, because we're trying to do that in a different passage, we can see that we have to believe and receive and then reciprocate the love that God has for us, and those are characteristics of the child of God. And that's one thing I love about 1 John. He just kind of lays out this description of who we are in Christ and what it means. Love is our motivation. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm making sense. Yeah. Yeah, perfect love casteth out fear. It's fear or love, not both. That's that's a good point. Thank you, Alex. That's good. 
Okay, so we believe, we receive, we reciprocate the love of God. And then, and then here's the other thing about this spirit of love. Love is our motivation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 13 and 14, here's what we read. Paul says, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ is what motivates us. We're motivated by love. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Have you have this verse memorized? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by what? By the mercies of God, by the compassion of God, by, by, by the pity of God. God looks down and he sees a lost soul and he says, I so love the world, I will give my only begotten son. I'm motivated by mercy. And so us as Christians, we've been given the spirit of love. And so you see that guy walking down the street and you say, I'm not okay with that person just dying and going to hell because God loves them. It is worth it to me to risk my personal comfort to just try. <laughs> I was on a walk yesterday and there's two girls out sunbathing in the yard probably 20 years old, young ladies. And I could hear them talking. And they were clearly lost. I did not have an open door. They were laying out in their bikinis in the yard. It would not have, but my heart just broke. I'm thinking to myself, is there any way a 51-year-old man can walk into the, and, and so I'm just, I, I, I was stuck just praying. Okay, but there's a thousand times I'm walking by and, and I can say something. At least see if there's an open door, right? So we have to be motivated by love, by selfless love, willing to risk our own comfort, reputation, whatever, to go and, and just love on people and share the gospel with them like someone did for you why you got saved. Someone got outside their comfort zone. Someone loved you enough to tell you the truth and you got saved. We need to do that for others. So we've also been given the spirit of power. Okay. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 1. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. We're, again, we're going to get to that. But of power, of love, and a sound mind. So in, in regards to the spirit of power, I, I think the most important thing is just to acknowledge and recognize you have it. You have been given a spirit of power. We don't always feel as if we've been given a spirit of power. Patrick Mahomes the, the, the best quarterback in the NFL, he fumbled the ball and threw two interceptions on consecutive plays, consecutive that series, not consecutive plays. Man, if there was ever a time to go sit on the sidelines, hang his head down, and pout because he lost the Kansas City Chiefs a Super Bowl, that would have been the time to do it. But instead, the coaches were going around and they said, you have to believe, you have to believe, you have to believe. Patrick Mahomes, he's going up and down the sidelines saying, they're going to be talking about this forever. 
because we're going to come back. We're going to do it. Like, like he believed enough to keep trying. And I think for us as God's people, the Bible says we've been given not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And I think the most important thing for us is just to recognize I actually have within me a spirit of power, and I, I need to fan those flames. I need to believe that. If you look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, Ephesians is my favorite kind of go-to book to see the positional reality of who we are in Christ. And Paul spends a lot of time here in this first chapter, uh, a lot of verses here, praying, okay? In fact, verses 17 through 23 are all prayers that, you know, Ephesians 3 also has a, has a great prayer. But, but, but let's look at this, uh, verses 15. Paul says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your what? Love. I, I did put love before power on the handout because Paul said, when I heard of your love, I wanted to remind you of your power. But, you know, we need to be motivated by love or else the power is not going to be properly appropriated. After I heard of your love, after I heard of your faith and your love unto all saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's, here's the prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that may you know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, and power and might and dominion that, that uh, and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he hath put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all and all and so the power you, you you might know the song the same power that rose jesus from the grave from the dead lives in us okay that's the power that God has given us. Jesus said, I, all authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and earth. I am with you. Go ye therefore. Well, praise the Lord. Let's fan those flames. Because how many times do we feel somewhat powerless? Oh, my goodness. Meanwhile, unstoked, unfanned, unkindled, there is power within us available to us if we'll just fan those flames, kindle the coals, get, get that going within us. And I think here's part of the problem, is that people lack understanding. We have the power for a purpose. Okay, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, hey, listen, apostles, pay, pay, disciples, pay attention. Here's what's going to happen. The Holy Ghost is, is going to come down on you. And then what's going to happen? You will receive power. Okay. To what end? You shall receive power. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We'll just go there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. 
but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And here's the point I'm making right now. The power has a purpose. The power was given to them to be witnesses for Christ. Okay. Back in our passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me of his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Okay, if your life's a football game, you can look back at some hits you took. You can look back at some times where, where you were victorious. You, you won, you scored, okay? There's also times you took a beating. There's times you made a mistake. You dropped the ball. Okay, here's the thing, though. No one said football was easy. No one said your life was easy. No one said you weren't going to drop the ball and take some hits. In terms of our Christian life, it's the same way. No one's saying it's not a battle. It is a battle. You're going to take some hits. It's going to be hard. But listen, if you have what it takes to win that battle, then we're not afraid of the battle anymore. Well, the, the power that we've been given is for the purpose of fighting the spiritual battle. So listen, go out and endure afflictions. Well, afflictions are hard for a child. For an adult who's empowered, not, not so scary. Make sense? Do not fall for the misappropriation of or an unhealthy focus on the manifestation of the power, though. Here's where churches get messed up, okay? God does have power to bless you. Okay, okay, wait. Don't take the illogical leap, therefore, that says, you need to send me some seed money. Give me your money so that God's power can be upon you. So that you too can have two jets and a $25 million home. Uh, God's power isn't given to us for you to be selfish and carnal and try to live like a king in the world of the devil. That is a misappropriation of the power of God. We've been given the power to fight the battle. Okay, also, do not fall for the trap of focusing on an unhealthy manifestation of a spiritual gift. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, cover the church at Corinth. And all they wanted to do was to be in the spotlight. Give me the mic. I can speak in tongues. And the manifestation of the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues was something that that immature, carnal church was focused on. God says, no, no, no. Try charity. Uh, try just speaking forth my words. That's way better than, than, than focusing on your manifestation of the spiritual gift. Okay, don't fall for a misappropriation of or an unhealthy focus on the manifestation of the power that God's given us. Just take the power and fight the battle that we've been given. Okay, we got to move on. A spirit of a sound mind, letter C. This sound mind is only found here in this passage, so it's really hard to 
compare scripture to scripture when this is the only place it's found in scripture. But that's very, very similar word to, to the word sober-minded. Okay, Titus chapter 2 and verses 4, 6, and 12 talk about sobriety and having a sober mind. It's being moderate. Okay, I'm not going to be extreme, swayed to the extreme in this area or that area. I'm just going to be moderate in my thinking, and I'm not going to be easily moved. Okay, so every commercial that comes out doesn't move me to do something different. Every wind of doctrine doesn't toss me to and it doesn't toss me fro. I'm just going to stay centered. And, and so drama can come. It's not, I'm not going to get sucked into it. I'm going to stay sober-minded. Okay, and so, so this spirit of a sound mind, uh, the root word is disciplined or self-controlled. Well, don't you know that everything <laughs> that the world, the devil, and the flesh likes to work with is designed to get us to toss you to. And if it can't toss you to, it's going to toss you fro. And there's drama. And listen, there's times we're overwhelmed. There's times where we feel incapacitated. There's times we don't know what to do. There's times when, when, when we do give in to fear. There's times when we don't have answers to a skeptic's questions. There's times when we do everything we know how to do and that our loved ones still won't follow the Lord. There's times when, when it's really hard just to have a sound mind. And I think the thing is this. Part of our sound mind is, I'm going to stay close to the Lord. I'm going to draw near to him and I'm going to stay there. And even when I'm overwhelmed, I know he's not overwhelmed. Even when I don't know what to do, I know that he does, and I just have more praying to do. If I'm trusting in myself, it's almost impossible to have a sound mind because there's times I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. But if I'm trusting in the Lord, then I can have a sound mind because it's just another point of prayer. I just need to lean in a little bit more in prayer. Which this brings us, okay, so, so I'm just going to mention this in letter D. We've not been given a spirit of fear. I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but I, I would point you to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And this is the parable of the talents. 45. Where the landowner gives his stewards <laughs> gifts, resources, and says, occupy till I come. And he goes off. And these stewards are accountable to take the talents that they've been given. Hello, somebody. To take what they've been given and to grow the household. Okay. The master comes back and he starts addressing the stewards. And the, the, the steward who had been given one talent, he goes, yeah, I, I, I reproduced it. I doubled it. There's two now. Ah, well done. Well done, good servant. You're going to be rewarded. You are faithful in little. You will be faithful in much. Okay. It goes on and on and on. Until that one guy who buried his talent. Does anybody know why he buried his talent? I know you're a man that uh, takes and gets what he you know, can from something else and something else, so I just buried it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the, the, the steward who was a bad steward, he buried his talent because of fear. He says, I was afraid. I knew you're a serious master. I didn't want to lose anything. I was afraid, and so I didn't take what you gave me and use it for your, for your glory, for your kingdom. Okay, we've not been given a spirit of fear to bury our talents. We've been given a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And so how do we stir up this, this power within us? And I, and I want to answer this by way of example. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 142. Psalm 142 is David's prayer when he was in the cave. Okay, that's a little bit of odd, maybe, illustration. But listen, we're not starting necessarily, all of us, from a place of absolute spiritual victory. Some of us are starting in the fourth quarter, and we've been fumbling and throwing interceptions, and we're down by 10 points with seven minutes left. That's where some of us are at. So, so I know you're a child of God, but... For some of us to stir up within us in the fourth quarter is a big call. It's, it's, it's a big deal. It's hard to do. And David had been anointed the king. And he finds himself in a castle. Oh, wait. No, he doesn't. He finds himself in a cave. And some of us are in a cave of fear, a cave of doubt, a cave of depression, a cave of discouragement. Your relationship with that person that you swore to love your whole life, that, that's in a cave of chaos. Okay, David prayed from his cave, and this is the point where if we're going to kindle that thing that God gave us, I think the first point we need to do is pray. And some of us, well, we're praying from a cave. But I would not be too discouraged by that if I were you, because don't you know that the people that God wants to use the most, he puts through trials. Jacob had to wrestle with the angel of the Lord all night and get his hip taken out of joint before he could become Israel the prince. David the king had to run for his life and cry to God out of a cave, even though he had been anointed the king. He could just go through over and over and over again. Joseph, the savior of the world, had to go to Egypt as a prisoner. Christ, Paul, everybody. Like, like God takes the people he wants to use and he puts them through trials and he puts them through difficulty so that they will finally stir up the gift of God that is within them and win the race, win the game in the fourth quarter. Hello, somebody. All right. So let's look at this. First of all, um, so, so we want to pray like David in his cave, and then we want to engage in the work of the ministry and faith. So letter A, we acknowledge God and his goodness and his plan for us, including a place in the kingdom. That's a lot. So let's look at verses 1 through 3. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed, I, I shewed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. 
In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. And so we see in this that David is crying out to the Lord from his cave, not his castle. And he's come to the point where he's just crying out to the Lord. Don't you? Okay, so picture your heart as a vessel, as a cup. Okay, and it's just full of fear. It's full of doubts. It's full of hurt. It's full of questions like, well, God, how come I'm in a cave and not a castle? Okay, and then just prayer. Just pour out your heart to the Lord. Just bend your knees, bow your head, and just pour out your heart in prayer. God, I, I'm in a cave. God, my family. God, my, my job. God, my, my, my health. God, my fears. God, here I am. God, it's like I'm in a cave. Cry out to the Lord. Okay, so, so we see David acknowledges God. My spirit was overwhelmed. God, I, I mean, I was done, but then thou knewest my path. So God, you weren't overwhelmed. God, you had a plan for me. You've got a way out of this cave, and it's going to end with a place in your kingdom. David went from the cave. He ended up on the throne, even in the cave. Okay, even in the cave, all sorts of guys started coming and drawing near to him, and it turned into an army of mighty men. Woo! Praise the Lord. All right, we need to believe in him. Make God your refuge and your reward. In verses 4 and 5, I looked on my right hand, and behold, there was no man that would know me. Ah, oh, I looked, you know, who's your right-hand man? And David couldn't find any. He was alone. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. So, so David wasn't trusting, or, or to whatever extent David was trusting in man, he couldn't do that anymore. So he makes God his refuge and his reward. In, in verse 5, it says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. Men failed me. My buddy betrayed me. My wife left me. My kids hate me. God, I feel like I'm all alone. What in the world? And so I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Make him your refuge and your reward. And listen, stand alone if need be. If no one else will, will follow, yea, though none go with me, yet I will follow. Verse 4 comes before verse 7. Well, yeah, duh. Okay, but listen, in verse 7, I will praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. I will be in the midst of the righteous. I will be standing with my brothers, my sisters, in the living well class, making disciples for the glory of God. But before that happens, you might have to stand alone. Have you ever felt like you're the only one that no one understands? And God says, okay, am I not enough? If no one understands you, if no one, if no one agrees with you, if no one coddles you, am I enough? If this is what Christianity is like, will you still follow? And you say, yes, Lord. And then you realize everyone else in the room with maturity has been through the same process. And you're in, the, in a great company of mature believers focused on his mission, separated 
from the world, from a fear of man, separated unto God, a Christian soldier ready to be rank and file to do the work of the ministry. Praise the Lord. That's what we want. But verse 4 comes before verse 7. So if you've never been willing to stand alone, then it may be you'll never actually understand the fellowship that comes from verse 7. So we need to anticipate spiritual blessing. That's the last point. So Timothy was, was being prepared for the ministry. David, in this passage, in his cave, is being prepared for the kingship. You and I are being prepared to be used by God in a bigger, more important way. But we have to, we have to go through the trials to get there. We have to get rid of some more of the dross. So we need to pray. We need to believe. We need to love. We need to engage then in the local church structure and faith because what needs to happen is all of this kindling is going to result in flames. It's going to result in energy. You will be energized with love. You'll be energized with power. You'll be energized with a sound mind, finally able to stay on track. Well, you need something to do, right? We got to put that engine in gear and let off the clutch. And so that is engaging within the structure of the church. Paul said in, in, in 2 Timothy 1.6, remember the gift that's in you by the laying on of my hands. So Acts has some weird examples like that. That's how people would receive the Holy Spirit. It's not how you received it. It's not how I received it. After we believed, we received and were sealed. That's in Ephesians chapter 1, 13, 14. You can check that out. We, you know Paul didn't come to your house and lay hands on you the day you got saved. You know that didn't happen. Didn't happen to me either. Paul didn't come to Bible camp and lay his hands on me, and that's how I received the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, we know that's... But, but, but the point is, hey, your faith came through your family, but your discipleship, your place in the ministry comes through me, through the structure of the local church. So, so let's mix the things, your faith and the structure of the church, and let's go win the world for Christ. So, so Paul is, is mentoring Timothy. Well, we are being prepared for great service, for a place in the kingdom. So, so what can we expect from the result of stirring up the gift within us? Well, power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, but turn back to 2 Timothy with me because the, the last thing, and, and I'm wrapping up here, the last thing we need to really appreciate is the purpose that this has been given to us is to fight the spiritual fight, to fight the good fight of faith, to be equipped for the battle. We don't just go out and get our tail kicked all the time. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. The afflictions that come from the spiritual battle that we are to fight are no match for the power of God, which is within us. We just need to stir that up. Oh, so, <clears throat> what comes if we stir this up? We have the power we need. We have the mindset we need. We have the self-control that we need to do the mission that God's given us. But, but sadly, that which we've been given can go dormant. It can just stay unkindled. 
And that's the goal of the devil, to keep you depressed and discouraged, but never motivated to the point where you're actually mad enough to do something about it. And unless our motivation is God's love, we, we probably will just be conflicted all the time. Okay, we need to wrap it up. I, I went too long. Let's pray. And then we can have a little discussion here about this. And, uh, and then the next service is going to start at 915. Father, we love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people that are gathered here today. I thank you for the people on Zoom. God, I pray that you would work in our lives. Help us to kindle the coals, to fan the flames of your love, your power, and, the, and, and a sound mind that you've given us. God, we don't want to leave those things unkindled in our lives. We don't want to go through the motions. We don't want to give up when there's seven minutes left in the game and it's time that, that Lord, we're supposed to be victorious finally. It's time we're supposed to stir it up. It's time we're supposed to get going, and that's right at the time that the devil tries to get us to quit. So I pray for this class, for this church, God, that, that we would do these things. We ask in Jesus' name.